Second Chronicles chapter 16 this morning, one verse, and I'm going to go through the text, of course, but just for time this morning, one verse. Chapter 16, verse 9. Do you mark this in your Bible? It's an interesting bit of scripture and should help all who are looking to the Lord this morning for strength and encouragement, especially to carry on in their faith and to serve the Lord in these days. So, Father, we thank you to be found in the house of God this morning. Lord, we thank you that, Father, you are, Lord, familiar with our ways. Lord, you know what's going on both within and without. Lord, you, Lord, know our, our difficulties. You know the mountains that we face, Father. Lord, you know more, perhaps, about ourselves than we even understand ourselves. And, but, and Lord, we've got your word to speak into our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that as, as we consider the life of King Esa, Lord, a man who looked to you, a man who loved you and served you, Lord, and, and yet at a moment in time, God, there's something got his heart and something turned his heart away, Lord, that we would learn from, Lord, this man's mistake, that, Lord, we would see your goodness, Lord, your mercy, God, at work. That, Father, even though we, Lord, face many difficulties in life, God, and, and many times we struggle, Lord, to, to hand our lives fully over, Lord, yet you continue to plead with us to trust you. Lord, to lean into you and not into our own understanding. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless us this morning with a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, that that second wind of that Spirit would blow through our assembly this morning, that the fire of God would reside upon us, that, Lord, all that would seek to bound us would burn off in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we would leave this assembly this morning both encouraged and built up and indeed on fire for the Lord Jesus in these days. Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, give us both an ear to hear and a heart to receive in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So verse, six, verse 9, chapter 16, mark it in your Bible. If you're taking notes this morning, it will, it will greatly help you. I can just encourage you every week to bring a notepad, you will find it more beneficial for yourself and you will learn far, far much more. You'll learn more if you just take notes because I make effort to give points and to bring it along. So please do try to encourage yourself to bring a notepad and take notes. It will certainly make your time here more, um, more, more enjoyable for you. So first, our first nine, chapter 16. Think of these words. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the, the whole earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. Read that again. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And our title this morning is A Surrendered Life Unto God. In chapter 16, we learn, what we learn is, in the last few years of King Esau's life, we learn that it didn't end well. We've been looking at King Esau this last five and six, possibly seven weeks now, and we've seen a man who looked to the Lord, and the Lord blessed him. Not only blessed him, but through him brought in revival to Judah. We've seen a, a whole people transformed by this man. And, and here we read at the latter stages of his life, he didn't end well. It's as if his heart all of a sudden became a wee bit cold and started to go a wee bit hard. That's what we see here. Now, the lesson in chapter 16 is this. It's the need to live a surrendered life unto Christ. Listen, our whole life. Our whole life. It doesn't matter if you're saved 40, 50 years here this morning or, or five years this morning. There's, there's a lesson right throughout Scripture that we are to remain surrendered and trust in the Lord 
He's not done with, you, done with us, you know, because we're a certain age. He hasn't stopped using us because we've, we've hit a certain birthday. And yet the enemy perhaps would, would tell us such a lie. And here's what we see, the need to be continually surrendered our life onto the Lord our whole life. Not stop in the latter stages. The latter stages of our life are important and just as important as the early stages. And it's important to remember that history records King Asa as being a, a good and a godly king. Don't misunderstand what's been said today about King Asa. Ask yourself this, is any of us here perfect this side of eternity? Has any of us here not fallen or, or made bad choices, made mistakes? Just like King Asa, he's a human. And King Asa, he didn't backslide in the sense that he turned his back on God. He, he certainly was backslidden. He made mistakes. And we can learn from this man. But re history records him as a godly good king. And we can learn from his life. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 11, you can look this up yourself. And Paul says this, Now these things that happened to them, the Old Testament, happened to them as an example. And they are written down for our instruction to warn us who live at the end of the age. It's written there that we may learn from their mistakes. What they did, we learned not to do. What they did and did well, we learned to do. That, that's, I suppose, the lesson in it. And what we are about to see in King Esau's life it can be avoided if we only learn from him. A young minister who was going up through training in his time, he wrote a book and he says that within his short time, he noticed two ministers that fell from grace. And he says he found this very difficult to understand. And then what he realized, and he, the book that he wrote was this, that one man's fall is another man's warning. Isn't it? One man's fall, one man's mistake is another man's warning. We can learn from the mistakes of others. A King Esau is a man that through prayer seen revival come. Remember that? This man influenced the whole nation for God. But around 35 years into his reign, something happened. Something happened. I call this the moment. The moment in our lives where something happens. Something said or, or something just goes wrong completely and catches us off guard. It's a moment in time. And something happened that the cause King S's heart to wax cold in his faith. Now we're not told fully what happened, but we certainly see the effects of his cold heart. Now the text we are looking at this morning, if it's handled wrong, it could leave us weakened. Church, it's important we remember the finished work of Christ in the life of the believer, isn't it? Our salvation doesn't rest on us, thank God. Salvation is of God. But the church is called to live for him, to put away the old man. And that's the difficulty at times. But as God, remember who puts away your sin, our sin. Peter, verse Peter 2 says, Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. But Christ took our sins and died for us and we're called to die to sin. Now as we consider this part of Esau's life, let me say this. This should help you. King Esa didn't lose his salvation. He lost his love for God. He lost his love for God. Somewhere along the line, something happened. 
There was a moment in his life that changed him. It caused him to stop trusting and looking to God for help. How easy that can be for us. How, how easy it is to praise God when everything's as it ought to be and in its place. How easy it is to praise God when the fire in our belly is raging. But what about them moments when that cold stream that touches our toe freezes our heart? Or how about them moments where we feel that we've, we're surrounded with so many people yet we're so lonely? And these are the moments that I want to speak about this morning where these can turn our heart away from God. They can harden it a wee bit and we stop surrendering onto him. And for 35 years in his Christian life, if you like, Esther lived for God. He was fully reliant on him and it appears that God blessed him as he blesses us. But that moment, whatever it was in, in King Esther's life, in his eyes, God lost his power. And that's possible for you this morning. That all of a sudden, God has lost his power in your life. That, that something's happened, or, or you've looked in, in the latter stages of your life, and you, you feel that you haven't seen God move. And when, when we feel like this, we can think, God, well, where are you? Where's your power? Why, why do I feel so powerless, if you like? And the lesson is, right at the outset, the need for a continual surrendering of our hearts and our lives onto God. Because we don't realize, but we start to function daily. In the early years, we, we sought God in the mornings. We, we sought God in the evenings. We couldn't get to enough meetings. And then somewhere, somehow, along the way, the prayer time isn't as, as, as heavy in our lives. The meetings are optional. We, we, we used to travel, I guess, miles just to, to be where God's people was. And now it's if Netflix. And, and this is how slowly it happens. And especially for those of us who are saved a length of time. And it appears here that King Esther began to see God as somewhat powerless in his life. And he began to rely more on his own efforts himself for help. And the world around him began to influence him. And somewhere along the way, his heart turned away from God. Now, Christian, can I say this gently, and especially to those, those of you who are saved a long time, let us consider our life this morning as we go through this and make sure that we're still living for God. That we, as we become a little more independent with age that we're still found in Christ and fully trusting him and we're still in the work are we still in the work because at what stage do we retire in ministry is it 50 55 is it 65 what, what stage does the Bible tell us to retire the problem that I see in my own heart is as I mature with age, as I become more settled in my faith, I unintentionally become a little more independent. And it's in them moments where it's difficult to live a fully surrendered life onto the leading and the guiding and the teaching of the Word of God and to be fully trusting in Him and still in the work. And there's a pattern here that, that warns us, as Paul says, that as the years pass by, 
There is a danger that we lose our seal for Christ. Is that you this morning? I suspect it's many of us. And what we see in chapter 16 is this. King Asa, he loses his seal for God. It's like he's trying to live in yesterday's anointing for today's battles. Have you ever done that? But I remember God moving years ago. God did this. But he's a bit more or less powerful today, doesn't he? And there's something in it. Church, yesterday's anointing is for yesterday's battles. And thank God we get to remind ourselves of this today because we need a fresh anointing for each day we live for God. Otherwise, we begin to lose our seal. As we get older, like King Esa, there's a danger that our faith can grow old with us. And as the body weakens, so too can a man's faith. And there must be a continual fresh exercise of faith in the, the life of the believer for every affliction that we face. And there's the challenge. So let us observe just a moment, very quickly, just some thoughts in the latter days of King Esa's life and the warning it gives us from times past. So here's the moment that I see, the moment the enemy strikes. Now this could be anything for you. There's so many ways that the enemy strikes us. These darts come hot and heavy and come from every angle. But there's a moment. There's always a moment that turns our heart from God. Somewhere along the line that seeks to harden us and cause God to lose his power in our eyes and us to seek help elsewhere. Look at verse 1. In the 36th year of King Esa's reign. Now I want to stop there because the 36th year is significant. Everything that's written in Scripture, the detail is important. The 36th year is important. It tells us something. What does it tell us? Well, it tells us that the last 35 years of King Esau's life, he was living for God, living a surrendered life, on to the will of God. But now we're in the 36th year. There's a moment in time. Something's changed. The 36th year... Something happens in Esau's life that causes him to be somewhat cold. But the, the overflow of this change in his heart is seen. I believe there's something happened in his life before we see the outward fruits of it, but we're told what happens, but there's something's happened previously that has caused him to look at God differently. He's powerless all of a sudden. Before he was a mighty God. You remember the Ethiopian, the million strong army? He sought the Lord, the Lord destroyed them. And here we see a man, all of a sudden something's happened. But what has happened in the scriptures, it tells us this, Israel attacks Judah. A king by the name of Baasha of Israel, it says, invaded Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from entering or leaving Judah. Now here's the thing about this. Because of Judah's great light for the gospel, tens of thousands of people came from Israel down to Judah. Why? Well, they come out of the darkness of Israel's apostasy and they entered Judah because God was revered there and the nation was prospering. The word of God was preached there and people's lives were being changed. There was justice in the land. That means evil and wickedness was being punished. And so the people came in their droves from Israel to Judah to find rest and peace. See, only in Christ can the soul find peace. And perhaps you're not saved this morning. You've strived or you're striving and you're trying to find peace. You've turned to everything and tried everything. Listen, there's no peace found outside of Christ. 
Only in Christ can a man or woman be at peace with himself and peace with God. With God. So the king of Israel, we're told, has built a border, border in a place called Ramah that no one can come in, in and out of the land. That's what he's done. And here's what I say. The enemy will always try to keep people away from the light. He doesn't want you saved this morning. He doesn't want you going on for Jesus this morning. Listen, he doesn't want you on fire for him this morning. He wants to keep you busy, keep you occupied, just get you through life. Because one word from you to a man or woman who's lost could see them saved. We don't realize that, but the enemy does. And what I see here is the enemy will always try to keep people away from the light, keep them out of Judah. He always tries to sow discord among the brethren. Notice Israel and Judah, they're brethren. They're one and the same people. And here we see that they're at war and how often they did fight throughout history. And this great disunity robbed both them and the world of great blessing. Church, be aware of them moments in your life where the enemy strikes. Did you get that? Where the enemy strikes. There'll be times where we'll seek to sow discord in your life. He does that. He does that with your family. He does that with your church family. He does that with your work colleagues. He does it at every level, discord. Look at the world. It's at war with each other. Be careful of them moments where the enemy strikes, but he'd be seeking to, to stop the lost soul from coming to faith, also seeking to turn your heart away from God. So be watchful of them moments where the enemy strikes, seeking to turn your heart away from God. Think about that. Has that happened to you? Has something happened? Has there been a moment in your life that something's happened and all of a sudden your heart's turned? And then there's the moment that Esa forgot God. Second point. Because it's in these moments we see a pattern and it's in these moments we can forget God. Look at verse 2 in, the, in your Bible. And here we see the enemy strikes the work in Judah. Which is a great work going on there. And in this moment of time, this is a defining moment, a defining moment in Esau's life because it's here he actually turns away from God. Look at what it says. Esau took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, Syria, or Aram, I might say for you. And there he offers to make a treaty. Now listen, this one action, this one bad decision is what sent King Esau off the rails. What's your bad decision? What decision have you made in your life? What, what, what bad treaty have you happened or made with somebody that has managed to take you away from the love and the fellowship of God? What we see is here, he looked to a pagan king for help and God's not mentioned. And by this act, what we see is this, that Esau give what belongs to God to the enemy. And every time a Christian dances with the world, he gives a part of himself that belongs to God to the, to the enemy. And Esau gave his allegiance. He gave his wealth and he gave his time. This is what sin does to us, what the devil seeks to do to the, to the people. And he gave us worship to him. He gave us heart. But listen, he also gave us integrity because he stole from God. Esau began making deals with the devil with God's money from the temple. See, it only takes one mistake, doesn't it, in our lives? One action. 
One moment in time that can cause us to turn from God. It can cause us to turn our back a wee bit on God. And it sets us on a path of self-destruction. Because that's what I see in a backslider's life. It never ends well. It always leads to the pig pen, the place of destruction. And when a believer steps onto this path, it's not long before they too lose their their light and their integrity. And they end up back in the gutter. And that brings us to our next point. There's this call that I see, the call of them old paths of our forefathers' sins. For some of you, many of you I know were saved at a young age, and thank God for such testimonies. But those of you who, who walked that broader road of sin for many years then got saved, there's something about them old paths. They still got a voice. They still call. And strangely, even though the cause is to have alcohol stains all over us and sleep in funny places, it's as if they've got a warmth about them and they would seek to call us there. I see that with this text. Now watch this. You've been with me. Look at verse 3. The call of them old paths of our forefathers' sins. Listen to what King Esa says now. Now he's speaking to a pagan king. Let there be a treaty between you and me like the one between your father and my father. Do you remember what we looked at? And here we see that King Esa is fully backslidden. He, he stepped back some 36 years in time to his old life of sin before he was saved. And that's what happens when Satan turns the heart of the believer away from God. He leads them back to the pig pen with empty promises. Let there be a treaty between me and you, Esa said, like the one between your father and my father. Do you remember what we looked at a few weeks ago about King Esa's father? He was a godless man, wasn't he? And in this moment, Esa looks back to them old paths of sin that his father once walked in. He's no longer looking to the Lord. Rather, he's looking towards ungodly men and he's trusting in wealth to help him. How dangerous and how easy that is. And what I see here, church, for us this morning is this is a man of God who's allowed the Spirit of God within him to dry up. And them old paths of sin have got in on him. Because them paths sound really, really nice when we're not in a good place. They do, don't they? Their moments, their moments are, have carried so much significance. Just like that, they can take us off one path and set us on to another path. And that's the warning that we get from King Esau's life. See, there's a need to daily surrender our lives onto the Lord's will. It's difficult. Does anybody here think it's easy? I don't think it's easy at all. But I recognize the need. Because when our spirit is quenched, our faith is weak. And them old paths can be heard calling out to us, come, trying to entice us to come back to our old way of living, back to that way of the transgressor. That's what them voice, that old voice can do. And I love how the scripture deals with it. It says this in Proverbs 26. As a dog returns to his vomit, so too does a fool return to his folly. And as we see here, King Esther is beginning to return to his folly. That which he knew from a child. That which he's seen his father do, the ungodliness of his father. And how sad, isn't it? 
after what King Esau has experienced in his life, he's seen the power of God move. This man had a great testimony. He wasn't born into the house of God. He, he wasn't brought up a Christian. This man knew great paganism in his life. He knew what it was to live and walk and sin. And he sought the Lord at 18 years of age. And God blessed him and blessed many through him. And then here we see this, this man backslid. And church, there's a wee warning for you and me. And, and quite simply, it's this. Let us remind ourselves of how easy it is in one moment of time to make a bad choice. Make a bad decision that can cause us to come out of the will of God. Isn't that right? One, one moment of time. 36 years of testimony. One moment. How sad. How easy it is to forget the past victories in our lives. When the Lord lifted us from the, the Mary clay. When he saved us. And at that time there was a, a great need and we sought the Lord and he answered prayer. Are them times when he brought us through such a great difficulty. And we, we can forget these victories. How easy it is to forget that yesterday's faith has no power for today's mountain. Now, Esau, he makes a, a treaty with the king of Syria. And what we read is that at that moment there was a victory. But it was a victory that was, was bought outside of God. And, and God is gracious because in verse 7 you'll notice God sends his prophet. This time it's a man called Hanani. And that brings us to our last we thought. The enemy seeks to rob us from many blessings. And I wonder this morning how many of you are sitting here and you know what it is to be robbed of the blessing of God, them times of refreshing, that time where the joy of the Lord really flowed from us and you were eager to get to the house of God, eager to share the love of God, eager to pray with men and women. You see, the enemy has a, has a, has a way of getting in on us and the end result is this, we're robbed we're still saved, but we're robbed. Our names is, is secure. Our salvation is safe in Christ, but our life is wrecked. Our faith is weakened, and the blessings robbed. And look what it says here: Because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. That's a whole story in itself. Not only if King Esau had been faithful, not only would he have been successful against. Israel, he also would have took over the king of Syria. See, there's always greater victories in our life, and, but somewhere along the line we just stop. And the great lesson here is this. That them times when we rely on ourselves, our resources, when things seem good for a moment, they're not. Because things are never good if we have stopped trusting in the Lord and, and started trusting in man and in wealth. When we forget God, we often force forfeit the many blessings, and bring unnecessary hardships upon ourselves. Does anybody know the wee, the wee old hymn? Listen, we all know it. What a friend we have in Jesus. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing to you again this week. Well, I might later on, but do you know the lyrics? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God. Come on, church. In prayer. What's the next bit? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. All because we did not surrender. All because we tried to, in that moment, 
fix it ourselves. All because that moment the old enemy got into our heads, turned our heart and our eyes away from God, and we stopped trusting, stopped believing that things can get better. All I see here is a man of God who walked with him for 36 years. One bad decision which led to another, which led to another, and he's backslidden. Look at verse 9, look at the prophet says, You have done a foolish thing. From now on, you will be at war. He lost his peace. Backslider, if you ever meet one, or if you are one this morning, you have no peace. That just comes with it. It's God's way of saying you must come home. It's God's way of saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you like this. Your peace I will remove. Your rest I will remove. You will be at war until you come home. And when you come home, I will restore that peace onto you. I will heal that brokenness. But you must learn to trust me again. Rebuke that old deceiver who's told you that God is powerless, that God is non-existent. What good is God? See, when we follow Satan, we become fools. And the prophet calls him for what he is, a fool. God's not calling us a fool this morning because our hearts are sore or heavy. He's calling this man a fool because he's, he's listened to the old enemy. And he's not calling us fools to get out. He said, don't be foolish, young man, young woman. Have I not been good to you? Have I not kept you and caused great victory for you? In this moment of time, you've made this mistake. Simply turn to me. I will forgive and restore. Isn't that something? That's all Esau had to do. He lost his peace. I think we've we probably said a lot and enough this morning, and I just want to maybe speak into a few things in these moments. I wonder when we speak of losing your peace, is that you this morning? Because it's fairly pressed upon my heart, Christian. You've lost your peace. Maybe there was for you that one moment, and God showed it to you, one moment in time that the old enemy just influenced you and you've lost your peace. You've done a foolish thing. How easy it is. What about what the Word teaches that in a moment we can be restored? In a moment when we look to God again and confess and repent of our foolishness, our lack of faith, that He says He will restore, He will heal, He will quicken and He will strengthen. I wonder is that for you this morning? And I think we should end there with that. So I'm going to ask the team to come. And can I just pray with you, please? Can we just bow our heads a moment, please? And I just sense of so much more to say, but we're just going to stop there for now. <coughs> Father, we thank you for, God, your word to us. Lord, as we think of this man who, Lord, for 36 years, Lord, through thick and thin, through wars and through times of ruin and rebuilding, Lord, that, Lord, he looked to you, Father, and you, Lord, blessed him, protected him. And, Lord, in one moment of time, something happened, Lord, that robbed his joy, 
and took his trust and faith away from you, Lord, all of a sudden you became powerless in his eyes. Lord, perhaps that's for somebody, somebody here this morning, Father, that all of a sudden, Lord, in a moment of time, you become powerless in our heart, in our eyes. Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, you would, Lord, bless us this morning and help us in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would touch the heart that's, God, become somewhat turned from you and cold, God. Lord, I pray for that man, I, I pray for that woman, that Father God has made that, Lord, bad decision this morning, God. Made that, that one choice that, that, that wasn't right and has led to the next and the next and the next. And all of a sudden, Lord, backslidden cold. Father, we do pray this morning that, Lord, you would move among us this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, that you would minister, Lord, even in these moments. God, your word says that when your people repent and confess that, Lord, times of refreshing come. Lord, I speak that over your people this morning in Jesus' name, that, Lord, times of refreshing would come now into their lives, into their soul, God. That, Father, old hurts, old things that, have, that are broken in their life, Lord, would, Lord, would be healed, Lord, and, and Lord, would be mended this morning in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, Lord God, for that part of us that seeks to lean on our own understanding, that, Lord, we would this morning learn to lean on you, Lord, Lord, not on our own understanding, Lord, to trust you, that the peace of God, Lord, would protect our hearts and our mind. And, Lord, we see that with King Esa. Lord, his mind was attacked and his heart was robbed. And Lord, I believe the enemy got into his head first and foremost. And, Lord, we pray over our minds this morning that, Lord, we wouldn't see a wee God, Lord, in a wee box that we've created, but, Lord, that we would see Almighty God, Lord, the, the creator of heaven and earth, the one in whom the heavens declares your glory, the one who has the power not only to give life, Lord, but create life, Lord, the one who sustains life. Lord, we thank you that you are Almighty God. Lord, forgive us for our weakness, Lord, how we put you into our wee boxes. Lord, all we can see is this present time. Lord, you can see the beginning from the end. And so I pray, Lord, over each of our hearts this morning that you would touch us, that, Lord, that peace would be restored, Lord, that we would no longer be at war with you, but, Lord, this morning, each of us, Lord, each of your children, Lord, would be found at a place of peace with you, God. Lord, take away, God, them hurts. Lord, take away, God, them moments that, Lord, we've turned away from you. Lord, help us this morning in the power of the Holy Spirit to turn onto you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, church.